0: Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Well, hey, guys. My name is Jack Jens. And uh, my beautiful wife, Lily, um, was singing with Pastor Elijah. Isn't she gorgeous? She's amazing. We got married a year and a half ago, and uh, it's been amazing. I recommend marriage for every single human being. Like seriously, marriage will change your life and it'll make you a better person, really will. Um, But hey, today's a really special day and the reason why is because we're launching the online campus. So right now, we've got people viewing on the online campus. We've got people in the back room there in the green room come on, hosting people, chatting to people, praying with people. And I just want to give a shout-out to everyone that's with the online campus, the production team, the host team, the emceeing. Like, it's amazing. I'm excited for God to move in such a mighty way uh, through the online campus because I believe there's no distance in the spirit. What does that mean? It means that you could be in one place where something's happening and uh, another person could be in another place, but they can still experience what God is doing in that other place. Amen? So like if someone's watching through the screen, they can receive the same thing that God is doing here in Philadelphia. Amen? If there's a healing atmosphere and people getting healed, I believe that healing atmosphere can be transferred through online and touch other people. Amen? Funny story with that. (laughs) um, I'll share this before I get in. I love funny stories. Um, I had a friend of mine, has anyone ever been prank called before? Like your friend prank called you? I had a friend of mine give me a prank call and on the other end, he pretended to be like a demon and started to scream and make some noise and say, can you deliver? They're just so weird, totally weird. And so I played along with it, because I knew it was a prank call. So I was like, of course, in Jesus' name, I cast you out. And I'm like, just messing around on the phone back. Anyway, he hangs up. We end the phone call. A week later, we're hanging out. And he goes, hey, I actually prank called you last week, and I pretended to be a demon. I'm like, that was you? He goes, yeah, that was me. And he goes, but weird thing, I had a sore throat. And when you prayed for me, like as a joke, I actually got healed. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (laughs) God is so funny, and so I believe there's no, yeah, no distance in the Spirit at all, that you can do it as a prank call and receive what God's doing. You can jump online. You can receive what God's doing. You know, you could even be on the phone with somebody and talk about this experience, and I believe the same atmosphere and the same anointing can be transformed, uh, transferred. Amen? Come on. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, I'm going to jump right in. I'm so excited um, to share with you. We're doing a new series here. It's Hello My Name Is. And uh, I love this series so much. Um, first time we've done it, but I love the idea of this series because it's, the, the reality is, is that we've been labeled through life. We have. You know, if someone rejects you, we've got rejection. If someone, you know, has hurt us, we've got hurt. We've got pain. We've got chains. We've got bondages. We've got stuff on our life. And what I love so much is that God renames us. That when we encounter Him, we get transformed into the image and likeness of Him. Amen. I believe that what happens is that you're once old man, and then when you meet Jesus, you become a new man, a new creation. And I believe that we can live a life that's unoffendable. I totally believe it. I believe that, you know, faith doesn't stop bad things from happening, but faith can stop bad things from influencing you. And I believe it so much. I believe we can actually access a reality with God where we're not influenced by the things of this world because we're a new creation. That when someone tries to slap a label on you, it will fall off because you're being accepted and approved by God. Amen? Come on. Awesome. So I'm going to jump in, but would you pray with me? Let's pray and bless this word. Let's pray and bless uh, and ask God that he would move uh, through this message today. So, Father, I thank you so much that you're here with us. I thank you, God, that you're going to move in a powerful way. I just ask, Lord, that you would anoint my lips, um, that I'll speak your word, God. And we ask that every word that I say, God, that it would be anointed with your breath. It would be anointed with your power and your authority. God, I, I just thank you that this will not be another meeting. But God, I pray this will be a transforma- uh, transforming moment that people will encounter you and be transformed. That's my heart, God. That's my heart for people to come into their new creation reality. And uh, bless that water bottle, God. Um, we just thank you for whatever was in there that it's released in Jesus' name. Wow, someone just got delivered. Amen. All right. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Praise God. So I'm going to jump into an amazing scripture. I love this, this passage so much. It's in the book of Luke, and Jesus is talking about different parables, and I love this one so much because it really represents the heart and the nature of the Father. And I believe that we can't know who we truly are in God unless we know who He is. Amen. I believe that it starts with a revelation of knowing who your daddy is. Once you know whose you are, then you know who you are. I believe it, 100%. Have you noticed when you meet people, um, if they're they're from an Italian background, they're they're really good at cooking. Maybe that's weird to say, or they're really good at making pasta, or they're in that field, they're in that stream. This is really weird. But I believe it's the same with the kingdom of God, is that when you get into the family of God, you actually live and breathe and mirror the actual culture of heaven, 100%. You know a Christian by their nature. You know someone that knows Jesus by their nature. Because what you worship, you become. <laughs> it's true. You become like what you worship. And if you worship God, you're going to become like Jesus. I'm not saying that you'll become God, I'm saying you'll be like Jesus in his nature and image. Amen? Awesome. Let's jump right in. I'm going to read this to you. Um, I think on the screens it comes up in NIV, so I I apologize. I'm going to read from a different version. It's the same Bible, just different version, um, so bear with me. Uh, But we're going to pick up in Luke 15, um, 12, uh, sorry, 11. It says this, A man had two sons. The younger son told the father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Starve. That's my Australian coming out right there. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into, his, into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became really hungry, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Wow. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to the son, embraced him, and kissed him. Somebody say embraced him and kissed him. So I don't know about you guys, but I love scripture and I love diving deep into it. Like I, I like to understand what the words mean and what's actually happening and um, what the actual emotion behind the words are. And so I did a little bit of research on this moment. Yes, Lord. Amen. I did a little bit of um, research on this embrace them and kiss them because I'm like, God, what does this mean? Is this just like a cultural thing where, you know, if a father sees someone part of the family, even though they've disobeyed and be disobedient, it's a father's nature in the culture to go up and greet them. Is it a greeting? Like, is it a holy kiss? You know, greet your brother with a holy kiss and then a hug, and it's like, let's go have a deep conversation. Or what does this moment mean? What is embracing and kiss him? Like, what is this? And so I did some depth um, of, of studying this to see what it meant and it landed me to this Greek word, that describes that moment. And the Greek word is uh, kataphilicin. And the word translates to fervently, which means passionately, having or great warmth, intensity of the spirit, feeling, enthusiasm, hot, glowing, burning. So that's the description of the word. And so from that description, in that moment, I see that the father didn't just see the son in the distance and walk up and give him a nice little greeting kiss, as you do culturally, but the father literally ran as fast as he could, saw his son, embraced him with enthusiasm, with passion, with light, with hot burning passion, and embraced him. And I did a little bit more research on this, and it actually says inwardly as well. So when he went in, it was like inwardly embracing. And that word inwardly in Greek actually means everything within you, your soul, your spirit, your mind, your emotions, everything. And so I'm telling you guys today, I'm proposing to you that when the father embraced the son, it was with every part of his being. It wasn't just a greeting. It was like, oh, you're home. I missed you. I love you. I accept you. And what's amazing is that this guy spent all his, mo- all his father's money. This guy was living in sin, and wild living, but his father from the distance didn't even notice the sin. He looked through the sin and noticed his son. The sin didn't stop the father from seeing who it was. The father saw it was his son straight through the sin. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God that looks through our failures, that looks through our sin, that when he looks at us, he sees us for who we are, and he calls us up into all that we're called to be. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching a little bit better than you guys are responding. Come on, let's let's pick it up. Come on, amazing. And so this is crazy, man, because I believe with my whole heart that God doesn't call us out. God's not like, hey, you know, you're a sinner. Uh, I condemn you. Um, You need to stop that. I don't like this about you. I believe that God actually calls us up. He doesn't call us out. He calls us up into all that we are. He looks at us and says, man, you fell into sin. You did this. You did that. But, hey, I want to remind you of who you are. Isn't that amazing? Come on. And so this word, this word cataphilicin, I did a little bit of more research on this. I'm like, hey, how many times is this uh, word actually in the Bible? And I noticed it in the Bible three more times. And so I'm like, this is really cool. It's only three times, which means that it's a unique number. It's not a lot. So it must be a very powerfully used word. And so when I did research of the other accounts this word's used, it's always in reference to when Jesus was giving his love and his affection to the Father or when he was loving the broken and the lost. Isn't that amazing? That that word is, hey, I'm embracing my son because I'm looking past sin. I'm embracing my son because I love him dearly. And I love that so much because this, friends, is how God sees you. He says, come as you are. Bring what you have and let me restore you. Allow me to heal you, bless you, and and allow you to become more like me in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on. I love the 1015. You guys are crazy amazing. You guys, are, I'm feeling the anointing from you. Like this is this is awesome. Come on. So we're going to jump back in a little bit. I just did a side note, but we're going to go to Luke 15:22 so you can join with me back here. And at 20 22 it says this but his father said to the servant quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening we must celebrate with a feast and i love this so much because as i said before i love to pull apart scripture and know what's going on and so i pulled apart these three different things that the father asked the servant to do he asked him to get him a robe asked him to get a ring and asked him to get sandals three things. What does this mean? Is this symbolic? What is God speaking through scripture? And so I did a little bit of research on this, and you guys are going to be amazed about what I found. We'll start at the robe. It says this. In having the best robe placed on him, the father was telling the prodigal son, as well as all the observers, that his position as son was restored. It was an immediate demonstration of complete approval, love, mercy, and as well as protection. Isn't that amazing? So when the father said, get him a robe, it wasn't just like, hey, you look really bad. You smell bad. Bro, you need some cologne. You need some fresh kicks. And you need some, like, Supreme Nike hoodies. Or, like, you need to relax a bit. Well, the father was doing was he was saying, I'm actually accepting you. I'm approving you back into your royal priesthood. Isn't that amazing? So the next one is the ring, and this is what the ring means. In being given the ring, it was evidence of great affection the father had towards the son, and the transfer of inheritance. The father was declaring that the son's access to his riches are being restored. Now, think about this for a moment. This son got the inheritance. He went away. He partied, had a wild lifestyle, and came back broke, but then the father gave him a ring and said, you still have access to my inheritance. Isn't that amazing? Like, I think for me, I would have to wait a couple weeks till I can trust you again. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like, welcome home. I love you, but um, my inheritance, it's mine for now. Um, Let me, maybe some guidelines, like you can invest it in a stock or we could do like a long-term investment, maybe a Roth IRA, where's your 401 k like that kind of stuff. But the father literally gave him full access and says, you now have access to the riches I have. In that amazing forgiveness, trust, mercy, and love? And so now we hit the sandals. Now, the sandals are really interesting because I'm like, I love fresh kicks. I love kicks. You can ask my wife. I have like five pairs of Chelsea boots. Like, I love shoes. And so I was really interested in what this was, you know, about. And what's amazing is it's more symbolic and more powerful than I even thought. I'll read this one to you. In having sandals placed on the son's feet, the father was declaring... An establishment of authority in the ancient Palestinian world, there was a custom that the servants were to walk in the house with barefoot, but the master would walk indoors with his shoes to demonstrate authority and ownership of the home. The father asked the servant to put the sandals on the son's feet to establish the authority of the son, and he also to declare that he was co-heirs with the father. Now, I don't know if you know what co-heir means, but it means in co. It means like, yeah, yeah, in 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 partnership with. And so what the Father was saying is that you have sandals on your feet to say you're an owner of this house, that you have authority, and that now you're an ambassador. So everywhere you go, you have the authority that I have. Isn't that amazing? Friends, I want to tell you today that I believe, yes, that God has got his arms open and saying, come to me. I want to give you new life and I want to see you restored and come into truth and come into the true revelation of who you are. But friend, I'm also telling you that God is wanting to clothe you back into your royal priesthood and he's wanting to redefine you. He's wanting to re-identify you, that he's taking off the labels of the world and he's putting on the true nature and the true labels of who you are. Come on, can somebody give a praise to Jesus today? We we serve a God that doesn't want those labels of the world, but he wants to give us a label of the kingdom, that we're kingdom citizens. We're heavenly citizens. Isn't that amazing? Guys, just that will preach. Like I could, I'm done, you know? Like that's really good. It's powerful. So as I said before, you cannot know who you are unless you know whose you are. And I really believe this is just the essence of this whole topic, the whole series of like, hello, my name is, I, I really think that this is the foundation. It's like, hey, I'll tell you your identity. I'll share what the Bible says about your identity, but you're only really going to come to the understanding of your identity when you know Him, when you know Him. And for me, personally, this is what happened. I'm going to go really deep now. I hope you guys are good. We're family, but I'm going to share a story with you um, that's happened in my life that where I really encountered who God was. I'm trying not to get emotional here, but When I was six years old, um, my dad, first of all, my dad left when I was two years old. And uh, I grew up with a single mom when I was six years old. And my mom got into a relationship with a guy that was super abusive. Um, He was abusive to her, abusive to drugs, abusive to alcohol, pornography, prostitution. Like, the guy was just an absolute mess, and that would reflect into our family. My mom would end up getting hurt and abused and taken advantage of. Um, I reckon roughly around $100,000 was taken from my mom over the years when she was with this guy through cars, through payment from work through jewelry, all that kind of stuff. And I remember one day I came home from school and I saw my mom sitting on the couch and uh, she had a, a brace on her arm, a cast. And I asked her, I said, hey, what, what happened? And I haven't seen her in two, uh, three days because I was at my dad's house. And I came back and saw her and I'm like, what's going on, are you okay? And she said, hey, um, I actually went to the mall and I tripped and I broke my arm. Later on, I found out that that man actually broke my mom's arm. We had a whole room in a house that was designated to growing marijuana. Um, he would uh, grow marijuana, and then he would sell it on the side to provide for his other drug and other habits, and just super abusive. There was times when my mom and I would just go with bread and uh, and go with like peanut butter or something like that, Vegemite. I'm from Australia, so Vegemite's a real thing. It's going to change your life. I actually got some at home. My wife hates it. It's really like bitter and sour, but uh, it's amazing, and so that's what we went with, and, and, and that was a life I was in, man, and uh, I remember at the age of six, I was laying in my bed, and um, I remember this event because it was so traumatic, but at the exact same time, so powerful because God's so good. And I was laying in my bed, sleeping, getting ready to go to school the next day in a lot of fear and torment. Because even though I was six years old, I felt like I was my mom's biggest savior, my mom's biggest protector. I felt like I could, you know, push this guy out and I could bash this guy up uh, because, I, you know, I wanted to protect my mom. It's like this confidence of like, I'm the man of the house. Like no man treats my, my mother like that and I remember I was going to sleep and I was scared to go to school the next day. And as I was trying to get to sleep, I had two men walk in my room. They're around seven to eight foot tall, big guys. And the big smile on their face and they're glistening in light, like literally radiate light coming off of them. And they came into the center of my room and they linked arms and they began to spin around. And as I did this, this big vortex of like wind, light, wrapped off them and rested on me into my heart. And as it came onto me, I received a peace that surpasses all understanding. I received confidence. I received a knowledge that someone out there was looking after me. And now I know that they're called angels. And so I had my first encounter at six years old with with the angelic where God was like, I've picked you. I've chosen you. This is who you are. You're not a tormented kid. You're not a kid that was brought up in a single home. You're actually chosen by God because I love you. And so, come on, man. And so, from, <laughs> we can give it up for Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I, man, I love the 1050. This is amazing. You guys are awesome. Um, and so, from that that time, I started to really encounter God. I had dreams, visions, and encounters. I would go to sleep at night, and I would have um, dreams of, uh, of God in my life, and at that stage, I'm first-generational Christian, so I, I had no grit of God, had no grit of who He was. I just knew that there was this being that loved me and had so much light and love about Him that was encountering me, and, and, and that's all I needed in that moment. And so one day, my mom was walking down the street to go shopping before she went to work, and as she's walking, this man came up to her and tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, can I pray for you? This is amazing. We need more people in this world going out and praying for the lost and the broken. I guarantee you that on the street, when you meet people and you share about Jesus, lives are getting transformed because I'm a testimony of that. And this man came up and said, can I pray for you? And she said, sure, you know, I don't really need help. You know, uh, I don't really need God. Um, I just need money and I need help um, with like counseling and finances. And she kind of pushed him away, but the guy was super persistent. She said, fine, you can pray for me and kind of, you know, brush it off and walk off just to be nice. And this guy laid hands on my mom in the street and said, God, I ask that you intervene into this woman's life. I ask that you transform her home life. And she was like, cool, thank you so much. Nothing happened in the moment. She hopped in the car to go back to work, and she was on the highway, and she had to pull off. And when she pulled off, the anointing of God came in the car, and she had a radical encounter with Jesus and received the same peace, the same rest, same love and joy I received in my room. God completely wrecked her. She went to work. She came home after work. She went to the local church to ask what was going on, what's happening. The, the pastor described it was the anointing in the presence of the Lord. She said, I want more of that. I need help in my life. I need Jesus. And she came into a relationship with Jesus. And then she got plugged into the local church, one that's very similar to this one. And now she, she was actually in ministry for a little while. Now she's helping out with an organization that helps traumatic kids in the exact same events and the exact same scenarios that I was in. Isn't that amazing? Come on. And so my mom got transformed and then we started to grow up. I started to grow up in the church. We started attending a local church. And um, what was amazing is that when I came into church at that young age, they started preaching about Jesus and the nature and the likeness and the goodness of God. And as I'm listening to this, I'm shocked because I'm like, everything that they're preaching is the exact person I've been encountering. I just had no label for it. I had no name for it. But everything that was happening in my home life was exactly about the guy that they were preaching at church, the guy that heals, the guy that restores, the guy that rocks up, the guy that has peace, the guy that bends down and lifts up the the prostitute and and forgives them and shoos away Pharisees. Like that guy was a guy that I was encountering. Isn't that amazing, guys? And so today, I believe that God is still alive and active and moving. We've seen it multiple times. But I believe that God wants to do that into your life as well. I don't know about you, but I'm so hungry for more encounters of Jesus. I contend for it all the time. And I pray that today as you leave, that you come into encounter with God. I pray that it's not just a, a surface level relationship with Jesus, but it's a deep relationship with God, that you know him by name, that you're now a friend of God, that you go from the outer courts into the inner courts of friendship with the Lord, that you see him move in powerful, mighty ways in your life as well. Amen? Come on. God is good. I really like the 1015, Pastor Elijah. I really do. They're lovely. <laughs> Yay, God. So, as I said before, we can't understand who we are unless we know whose we are. And so, today I want to talk about who we are because I feel like a lot of the time we come in a place where it's like, all right, so if God's so good, he's so amazing, so graceful and loving, then who are we? You know, are we just people that are just here for no, no purpose? We're just, we're born because God wants to have fun and wants relationship with us? Yes. But also I believe that we're called to a purpose as well. I believe that we're all called to transform nations and regions. 100%. I don't believe that someone else's call is more significant than yours. I think we're all equal in the kingdom of God. We're all sons and daughters of Jesus. And so I, I was battling with this because I'm like, man, all right, God, how do I describe who we are? And I came across this amazing scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and Says this, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they are new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I love that so much because it's such an action scripture. It's declaring that we're now dead to our old self and now we've been raised with Christ. We're now a new creation. You know, we're called Christians, which is Christian, that you're meant to be Christ-like. That is your calling. That is your mandate in every situation, every circumstance is to be like Jesus to this world. That you too can heal the sick, you too can raise the dead, you too can prophesy, you too can hear from the Lord for for other people. That we've been commissioned with an identity that is Christian, is Christ-like. Isn't that amazing? Come on. One thing I love in Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, Not by might, it says, not by my might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I love that because a lot of times we just try to change our life. Like once I fix this issue then I can come to Jesus. Once that relationship is good, then I can come to Jesus. Once I get out of my de facto relationship, then I can come to God. But the reality is, friend, is that God is calling us right as we are and right where we are. That God is calling you no matter what you're carrying bondage, change, if you're feeling good, if you're succeeding in life, but you're not doing well spiritually and emotionally, God is calling you because it's not by our strength to change things and fix things before we come to God. But it's about us going to Him first and allowing Him to transform us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at This Is Change PHL. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.